The Everyman Podcast. Everyman Podcast. Everyone, listen to us. Listen to us. Everyone, everywhere. Mr. Campbell, how are you, bro? <laughs> man, I'm doing good, man. I'm in the presence of greatness with my boy, brother Jay Forever, man. Oh, Forever, that's right. Bro. Connected, connected, uh, but never apart via Skype. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, so how's everything going in the NFL Films world, man? What's popping? One day at a time, Brother Jay, just finished out a glorious, glorious episode here of Inside the NFL, and um, actually finished up kind of early, so I'm uh, really psyched to go home and play some uh, Roblox with my son before he has like five minutes and has to go to bed before school tomorrow, so, you know. Always a blessing. Always, bro. Yeah, so uh, big uh, big shout out to uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, just want to get that out of the way. Right. He's uh Pretty much single-handedly saved the Steelers' season along with Coach T. Yeah. Um, Steelers' defense is uh, pretty nice. Yeah. So yeah, I, I heard he was uh, like part cyborg, kind of like uh, you know, dark fake Terminator. Yeah, he's yeah, he's like he's just like the Terminator. He's he's really good. Big yeah. fan of him. So shout out to Minka, the Mink, Mink. Slinky Minky. I don't know. I'm trying to come up with something because he does slink around. Slinky Minky. Slinky kinda, Minky sounds a little dirty. Funky man. It sounds sounds like dirty. He's uh, he's he's on the back of a a triple X carton or something. We don't want to do yeah, that. <laughs> Slinky Minky. Dan- Daniel Jones and another uh, another four banger this weekend. Four banger. He's uh, yeah, he's he's doing it. So, um. Yeah, man. So this week on the Everyman Podcast, we have a pretty sick interview. I uh, took a little field trip to Barrier Brewing Company up on up on Long Island. Long Island. Long Island, near uh, the city that never sleeps, but it's a part of the city, but it's not. It's like the suburbs. So so let's just, let me give you a quick recap here. We'll just break down the whole day. So shout out mm-hmm. to uh, Ronnie, my good brother Ronnie. He, uh, shout out. From, from Extractus. He's a... Uh, he's a home brewer, so he makes he makes his own beers. He's won a couple. He won a uh, he got he placed. Uh, I forget what the exact rank was, but it was awesome. awesome. Uh, in the spring, in a uh, local homebrew competition, and he's he's really good. He makes great beer. We all enjoy it. Nice. So when uh, you know you had your NFL films stuff going on, so obviously you'd get up there. You know it was a whole day. So Ronnie stepped in uh, as our field producer and. Uh, you know, honorary co-host on the interview on the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so in order, you know, Philadelphia based uh, as we are at the Everman podcast, you know, quick, quick jaunt up 95 to Long Island. And in the morning, I was like, you know, I'm going to be at a brewery all day. Um, I need something to eat. Mm-hmm. So naturally, <laughs> it's 1030 in the morning. I'm looking around. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to Popeye's because they're open at 10 a.m. Excellent. Because I've been, I know the chicken sandwich is back, you know, and and back, back, you know, you can check it out in the archives, the great chicken war. Uh, We went into detail about uh, the chicken sandwich uh, situation that they have there. And so, you know, I'm a big fan of it. So obviously I was going to swing through and uh, 1030 in the morning, eight cars ahead of me, bro. Eight. Mm, mm, mm. It was you, man, that, that damn, that damn chicken sandwich, bro. It's a monster. It's creating chaos, fights, it does. It does. body slamming, arrests, stabbings, murder. I, I tell you what, it's, there was it's, a murder. It's a murder, death, kill. It's like <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a murder, death, kill for the sandwich. You know, MDK. 
dude. It's so if you, if you guys are looking for a chicken sandwich, you know, obviously go go get one. But just come on. Yeah, man. Yeah, guys can't be out there like demolition, man. No MD can for the sandwich, man. And Not you know, and you know when I'm when I'm the young man in the drive-through window is handing me my my bounty of chicken sandwiches. Mm-hmm. I mean, How it's, many did you get, bro? How many did just you get? two, just a two a two it's breakfast true. sandwich. Yeah, you know, it's just two. two. You know what I mean? Oh, so, true. well, I needed to power myself through the day. Right. Um, naturally, as you do on chicken sandwiches at ten thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. But I looked into this young man's eyes, and I could see that he was not prepared for the day that lay before him. You know what I mean? He already had that. He had that. He he lost already. He already lost the game. You know they say sometimes they come out. Opponents come out in the second half, and they've already lost. This young man already lost. It was ten thirty. Yeah. I could tell he was going to have a tough day. So I hope his day was all right. Um, you know, hang in there, good people of Popeyes. We we value uh, your service. And um, you know, more importantly, on a serious note, you know, we're recording this on Veterans Day, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we want to thank all of our veterans who uh, who serve and um, make this country free for us. And, you know, I heard a, uh, a gentleman say that the freedom that these people provide us is that we don't have to go um, into military service on a mandatory basis because we have so many brave people who give up everything to go do it on our behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, so think about that, you know, when they say, uh, that they're serving us, you know, for our, f- the freedom that we have, the freedom that, you know, you and I have to podcast and go to breweries and have all this fun is because we get to live our normal lives while, you know, other, other people just like us are overseas, um, you know, all over the world in really hard situations. So absolutely, we want to, we want to thank our veterans for that. Big ups. So taking a jaunt. Up to Barrier Brewing Company uh, to meet uh, with Mike DiScarfino, who's the sales director. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we met Mike at the Dream Theater show. He's a big Dream Theater fan. Obviously, Barrier Brewing Company did the signature Dream Theater beer, um, Barstool Warrior, yeah. which famously I won a raffle prize, you know, the minute I walked in. And then I met the guys after the show. We hit it off because that we were wearing, you know, we, he was... He, was a wrestling fan and you know me i'm a nerd wrestling nerd and so we hit it all off and was like all right we gotta go we gotta do a podcast so me and mike been texting finally set it up he's like hey man come on up you gotta see the operation so we walk in and you know they were just opening up i think we got there at two o'clock just stay open this dude comes in with a a belgian mastiff dog (laughs) this thing bro its head he was his head was in out coming out the back window of the GMC Denali pickup, and his head was full frame in the window. Like this wow. dog's head was easily larger than a basketball. It was incredible, big That's baby. Amazing. So I'm sitting there, I'm playing with the pup. Mike shows up. Oh yeah, come on in. What do you want? Can I get you this? Can I get you that? Super generous, real cool atmosphere. It's like a, it's a the tap room, right? So they've got their their brewing equipment in the back where they make all this stuff, which I'll describe in a second here. But in the tap room, they've got you know, really cool kind of like farmy looking like farmhouse style lounge chairs. And they got, they got some TVs and they got music going. They got cool stuff from the mm-hmm. ceiling and they have like all this really cool merch. And it's just a really comfortable, like inviting atmosphere. And so when we got there, there was just the guy and his giant dog, uh, a couple employees. And then, uh, Mike 
takes us for a tour, shows us around. So in in their facility, and it's uh, I would say it's about the size of like a high school basketball gym. Sweet. They're cranking it. I mean, they got these machines in there. They're like twenty feet tall, massive industrial, you know, mixers. <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, this is." And he's, he's he, uh, fair warning. There's a lot of lingo on this podcast, you know. And I was trying to keep up with it, but these beer people, they've got they've got some great lingo. Gotta love the lingo. They're up there with surfers with the lingo. They're like, "Yeah, this is where the mash comes with the gnar, and it flows over into the sieve, and here it comes down into the twister, and then it comes <laughs> out as the mash." And I'm like, "Yeah, fuck yeah!" You know, I don't even know what's going on. I just I'm trying to follow. Like, so you put the stuff in here, and it comes out over here. Yeah, how does this get into beer? And meanwhile, you know, Aaron is like he's brilliant with the with the brewing process, and him and Mike are just sparks are flying because they're talking about beer and he's like oh i went to beer school you know to be a brewery and aaron's like oh did you go here and he's like yeah that's where i went and they like it was awesome oh, seeing yeah. you know when you see two like it's like i know this guy's got, like when you know you have two friends or you meet somebody you're like i have a buddy that you're gonna you know and then oh, you yeah, see man. it happen you just sit back and you enjoy it that was like me and watching aaron and mike meet each other it was really cool romance is real bro oh for real man mike mike's the man so uh after he showed us around they have and they actually now have their own canning like facility on process like they do everything like from designing the labels to getting the cans in the building to fill in the cans making the beer carbonating it i mean it's it's really an everyman uh venture that they're running up there and it was like super clean and i mean they didn't like they didn't have to organize anything for like they didn't do that because we were there you know what i mean like it was just you could tell everything was like really Tight, tight top shape. Top notch. Top tight notch. tip top shape. Really cool. So, uh, yeah, we ended up, they have like this office area that big old hardwood floor room and really sick mural up in the wall. And we uh, podcasted for like 45 minutes or so. We, we did the interview and then we stopped recording um, and we talked for like another hour and a half, which nice. I wish we had just kept the thing on. We started yeah. talking about lizard people. You do hear a little lizard bit people. of... You do hear a little bit about the lizard people in the interview. I, I, you know, I left that in there, but you know, we were talking about Sasquatch and Sasquatch hunters, or <laughs> <laughs> nice. and uh, you know, we just we had a great we had a great time. So um, you know, I want to thank Mike um, and and everybody up at Barrier Brewing Company for being so generous. Um, you know, hooked us up with some T-shirts, sent me home with some with some fine products to uh, to enjoy. Oh, um, you know, if you guys, you're looking for something to try out, you know, you're into the beer thing, give Barrier a shot. You can, you can check out their Instagram. Um, all their details and links are going to be in the, the show notes. Um, and check out our Instagram too, for some photos from, from the brewery behind the scenes. But, um, yeah, I just want to thank Mike for being an awesome, awesome host and a good dude. And, uh, you know, we appreciate you, uh, having us out and we definitely look forward to coming back again and uh as as he said you know next time we're gonna break out the tinfoil hats got to you know so but uh yeah so to 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 hear a little bit about starting a uh brewing company and making beer for bands that you love i think it's time to kick it to mike d scarfino from barrier brewing company do it today on the everyman podcast we are here live in the beautiful, well-lit office, secondary location of Barrier Brewing Company 
in Long Island, New York. And our guest today is sales director Mike DiScarfino. Mike, how you doing, brother? What's going on, man? Thanks for thanks for having me. Hey, man, we're uh, we're happy to be here. And um, tell our listeners who are you, what do you do, and what do you what do you got going on here? Yeah, uh, my name is Mike Descarfino. I'm with Barrier Brewing Company. We're located in Oceanside, New York, which is about 20 minutes past JFK. So we're on the Queens uh, Long Island border. So not too far into Long Island. Uh, we've been in operation for 10 years. Actually, this past June, uh, we celebrated 10 years uh, of brewing awesome local beer. And uh, yeah, so basically I've been doing sales for this company for a little over seven years. I've been here, I was employee number two. So uh, that has some weight to it. <laughs> now, what did you start? What was your position when you started with Barrier? Uh, overall general asshole. Just <laughs> wore too many hats. You and need we, one. But we all did, um, which is kind of cool. But ma- mainly it was uh, distribution. So getting new accounts, selling the beer, delivering the beer myself along with another brewer. So I had a, a head brewer at the time, my good friend Sean Redman, who moved on to another brewery. Um, he was brewing the beer all morning, staying late, doing what he's got to do. And then he'd pick me up in the city and we'd deliver the beer all day. So like I, if anybody worked super hard, it was the brewers because, uh, their job was a lot more physically demanding than, than mine. Wow. So you were kind of involved soup to nuts, the whole process, getting, yes. getting your hands in the brewing and actually yeah. loading the trucks, taking it to their end point, getting yes. it in customers. Yeah. Needs. Literally talk to the account, talk to the bar, the restaurant, get to know them, develop a relationship, and then when they see you walking, when they see you walking into the door and, and actually delivering the beer the next day, wow, it's a different level of, re- of respect they have for you, which is kind of cool. Well, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, talk about customer service, and, and before we before we get too deep into what, what we do here now, sure. explain to our listeners, what is craft beer? Craft beer is just a term for, and again, it's how you view it, but it's not big beer, and I say big beer, uh, Macro brew, you know, your Budweiser's, your Miller, stuff like that. So stuff that's produced on a very on a much smaller scale. Now, is there a cutoff for, like, production volume over this amount? Is well, I can tell you for New York City, we get uh, where the state of New York allows you to uh, self-distribute your beer. We don't self-distribute anymore. We used to. But I think you're allowed up to, to brew up to 60,000 barrels annu- annually, and you can self-distribute your beer. Um, some of the laws might have changed, so I apologize if I so, got anything wrong. So over that, you'd have to engage... I believe you have to have okay. a distributor. Yes, wow. but I could be wrong. There could be just, it could just be like a tax benefit thing. But uh, it's been a while since I looked at the at the, at the paperwork, at the rules and regs. <laughs> I'm sure there we're always, we're well changing. under sixty thousand. We're a little over ten thousand. We're probably around eleven thousand, eleven thousand five hundred barrels per year. Now, what which is, is a lot from when we started? Roughly, can you estimate what that is in cans? Um, in cans, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when we started brewing, I believe we were doing about 750 barrels a year, brewer's barrels, so kegs, uh, per year, which is not a lot, but for a one-barrel brew system, it, it was a decent amount. And then we moved up to a five-barrel brew system. Basically, we can get about eight to ten kegs per batch. Wow. Um, and we were doing about, when we were f- cranking full steam on that system, we were doing 5,000 barrels a year on a five-barrel, which is pretty unheard of. Um, that's that's a lot of beer to make on such a small system. So I'd say a little over a year ago, we we bumped up to a twenty barrel brew house, and uh, yeah, we're we're just over ten thousand barrels and probably closer to twelve thousand now. It's we really had a big jump. That's that's some incredible volume, and and I forgot to introduce today. Not only are we here at uh, Barrier with Mike, but we've got uh, field producer Aaron, aka Ronnie Forerunner. 
here in the house. Ronnie, uh, you want to say hello? Yeah, hi. Um, I, I was actually just uh, going to ask a question um, regarding when you said you went from five to um, 20 barrels. How was it? Was it difficult for you to scale up, or or how did you guys go about scaling up your recipes for that? We kind of had we had no choice but to scale up. So we were doing, uh, th- I believe, three shifts at one time when we were cranking on the five barrel, and that just got to be too much. And it was honestly, it didn't make any sense. We, we it was to the point where y- you just have to to expand. And a fun little story about that is when we did uh, expand to a twenty barrel brew house, we um, we initially bought this system uh, called Metalcraft, which was out in Oregon, I believe. And um, they, <laughs> it was us, I believe, Grimm from Brooklyn, they make great beer. I think other half ha- ha- was doing some work with them, uh, Threes, and a few other companies that breweries that we're friends with, invested money into having stuff made by this manufacturer, and they actually went out of business. So we were fortunate that they had about 70% of our brew house already manufactured. Mm-hmm. So we, thankfully, the guys from Grimm went out. They got a big truck. They took our stuff off. They took their stuff off. And we had another uh, manufacturer called Marks. They're out, in, I believe, in, the, in Washington State, right on the border of where Metalcraft was. And they took care of us. They helped us out. They finished the work that Metalcraft started. So that was, a, that was crazy because that set us back. So a lot of money and a lot of time. So we still had to crank out in the whole fire barrel for many, many months. But the jump, to go back to your question, it wasn't that hard. Um, you know, we had, this was all planned out. We knew exactly what we had to do. And it was, listen, it took a little time to get used to the new system, get used to the kinks. But uh, once we got that out of the way, we, we were really cranking after month three, I would say, on the, on the new system. We so had once the you, bells and whistles down. Once you adjust to the new system, it's just you're making beer. Yeah. And like... If you're going to form, res, uh, formulate a recipe, you just scale up appropriately. So one of the beers here we're going to try, um, Money, sure. is you, you were, I was talking to you downstairs in your facility, which we, we got to take a look around at. And, I, you know, obviously you're listening to this podcast, so you can't see it. But it's amazing how industrial and clinical and clean um, a facility like this is. And, you know, one of the common things we talk about about what the everyman is, um, is passion. And, you know, the, the extra step you notice, you know, the work boots are all lined up and tucked in and, you know, like that's just how you guys run the ship here that you didn't do that because we're coming in. Um, you know, like you can, you can make a product or you can love what you're doing and succeed because of it. And that's kind of what I see going on here. And, you know, from, from, from the brew, the the brewery, the actual facility to to your your tap room, is a really cool vibe, but the thing is passion. Um, so, why go the extra mile to make beer that's it's it's not as cheap as something you get that's mass produced? The ingredients are are sourced, um, you know, in a in a more thoughtful way. You know, why is it important to you? Um, to, to go the extra mile? I think uh, basically necessity. You have to stay ahead of the curve and you have to make great liquid. You have to put out a good product. If it's mediocre at best, you're just going to fall in line with everybody else because there are a lot of breweries. There's a lot of brands when you go on that shelf into the store and you want to pick out a beer. You're in competition with a lot of different people, but you're, the quality of your beer will definitely speak for itself. But everything else goes into that marketing, promotion, the can label art, um, people that work at the brewery, relationships you have with customers and clients, 
that all that all factors in. So it, an image definitely plays a big part in it. Well, it's like you know, uh, if you don't clean your room, why would you take care of anything? You know, if you don't want ants in your room, don't eat. In, <laughs> don't eat in your room. <laughs> right. You know, like it, it's it's it, it's it's these simple concepts, and you know, you and I were just just talking about this. Whether it's somebody like Mike Mangini who says, "Oh, you know, at the top of his game," and and we'll get to to the mm-hmm. Dream Theater connection here in a minute, but at the top of his game saying, you know what, I'm going to spend my whole summer working harder on this technique and getting this technique the best it can be so that when people come to see me on tour next fall, they're going to see the best version of Mike Mangini. And, you know, that's what you get when you, when you pick up, a, you know, a can of a barrier is that, you know, like now I know coming here, I see all the effort that goes into it, not just the physical labor, but, I mean, there's charts and, you know, scientific glass tubes and all sorts of fancy shit that I don't even understand um, that all goes into to making this great product. And so I wanted to talk to you about money. So money is kind of what put you guys on the map, right? Yeah, money was, uh, when we started, uh, we never had like a flagship beer. That was never our motto. Our motto was never have like a flagship beer. It was like, hey, we, we're going to make a, a bunch of different styles. We're going to make a bunch of classic styles and brew it classically to style and brew it well. Um, so we never really ran off the moniker of having, oh, these are our two or three flagship beers, but money really was that lead horse for us. Um, it's a, it was started off as a very classic West coast style IPA, but the hot bill was super, super light, super fruity. Wasn't as heavy dank as many of the, the West coast IPAs were for that time period. And we got a lot of recognition for it and people really sought it out and it really had like a, a name, like a cult following that oh we don't we might not know much about your other beers but we sure as hell know this beer called money so that uh that was pretty much a, a lead horse that we that we that we rode and uh so that's definitely morphed into probably our flagship beer now when you're looking to expand into other styles of beer because obviously you know like you know I'm I'm somewhat of a I'm a I'm not a beer kind of sore like you know Aaron and yourself here but you know I follow what's going on in the trends and I enjoy the craft beers and I get caught up in the you know the labels and all that stuff and um, what is the next step in trying to expand outward without alienating too much what you're known for because there's so many different you know just like metal you know you can you can go down a a subgenre hole with metal but you could you can get before you know it you don't even know what you're drinking uh, sometimes and it's so confusing so What's the kind of the thinking in the, the product development to kind of expand a little bit? How do you guys approach that? It's basically following the market trend. So um, we, we've always been a brewery that's made a lot of IPAs, but that IPA culture has changed over the last five years into this new style, not new, but style called New England style IPA. It's very hazy, very cloudy, kind of a murky looking IPA where you know, seven to 10 years ago, people would, wouldn't touch it because they thought the beer was finished. You can't, I can't drink this. It looks like sludge. But a lot of that brings a new flavor that people really enjoy. Very soft IPAs, super fruity, not too, not too piney and dank, not too bitter. So that has changed. I think people's palates have changed. Um, so you have to adapt to that and brew those styles of beer and do them very well. So we like to have our own touch. We we don't want to obviously make the same beer. And the New York City has a hundred of the same tasting IPAs. I think every brewery, especially around us, tries to do it a little bit differently and add their own little touch to it. So you just have to find what 
what separates you from everyone else. You know, kind of touching on that, and Aaron, we were talking about this earlier. Aaron is a is a home brewer for for those listening, so he's got you know some expertise on. It. And he's anytime I have some deep beer questions, I always I always reach out to Ronnie. But you know, we were just talking like you can go twenty every twenty miles down ninety five in the Philadelphia area. There's another brewery that you go in has a great atmosphere, has a great you know culture and a great beer that they do. But it's hard to differentiate. You know, like why this one, why that one. Um, do you find it hard to continue to stick out um yes and no um i think what really separates us is we have a great marketing team um we do a lot of promotion on our on you know like we don't have anybody else that like an outside company that does our promotion for us and marketing like we do that everything in-house our labels really stick out and stand out yeah the arts arts awesome i got i think that's a big thing got a couple here in front of me can't can't tell me nothing. Can't tell me that's a collab we did with Equilibrium Brewery, and and we'll get to the to the collabs in a minute yeah. here. I think that's really cool. But just just looking at them, it's they're they're colorful. They're they stand out, and it's almost like there's a you want to know like I want to know what's going on with this guy with the grill and the hat. Like what's he doing after this? <laughs> you know, like is he going to Barrier? Because well, that's, that's actually uh, a character version of. Uh, our founder, Evan Klein. Oh, no shit. <laughs> I, I basically call him the white version of Kimbo Slice. <laughs> yeah, he, he kind of look. He's got a Kimbo look to <laughs> yeah. him with the, you know, with the beard and the, uh, the hat down there. But um, it, it stands out. And, you know, I was saying, I was telling you a story. You know, when I was a kid, I'd go to the record store and, you know, I knew Roadrunner Records is all metal. So I'm looking for a new band. This is before streaming and all that stuff. So you just, and, you know, there's no metal on the radio. So you got to figure it out. And, you know, I'm leafing through. It's like, oh, this, this cover looks sick. I'll buy this. And, you know, sometimes it was awesome. Sometimes it sucked. But I find that's what I do with with beers too. So a lot of people do that with beer. And and uh, you know you've got um, we saw your canning operation, and it's it's easy to kind of see that like you can put out a a label, and if if pink isn't working, you can tomorrow switch it to a purple one, or you know whatever. You you guys are kind of like with the podcast. That's the reason why podcasts are changing how people get content is because like you can quickly change. You, like you said, you don't have some humongous marketing company or distribution company in the way of you and your customer or how you want to represent yourself to your customer. So you can just make that change on the fly and, and keep it, you know, keep it fresh and keep it new. And, you know, like uh, you were showing us some, some stuff you have in the works and it's like, it's cool and it's trendy, you know, and it's stuff that people can relate to and be like, Oh, you know what? I liked that back in the day. You know, I'll, I'll fucking try this out. Um, who comes up with all that stuff? Uh, it's pretty a collective. We all do. Um, we have any ideas. Um, we just all spit them out and, uh, whatever works fine. <laughs> That's what we go with. Um, a lot of our collabs that we're doing now, um, we have a guy who's, who's been with the brewery for a little over two years. His name is Bobby Carlo. He's pretty much taken the lead on, on meeting up with a lot of these breweries, doing these cool collabs, coming up with some with these cool concepts and ideas for for artwork and for some cool videos and stuff like that. So we have a guy dedicated for that. He also travels overseas and does you know some of our festivals and stuff like that overseas. So we we pretty much all come together, but we do have uh, specific people that come up with certain ideas uh, for the for the can art. We have a great designer. We have a couple of great designers that we use. We use a few different ones, but, um, you know, we all work together and uh, just try to come up with some cool ideas and cool concepts. Well, and, and you got to you gotta branch out, and that, you know, to leads in perfectly to how you and I met. So, 
you know, my, my co-host on the show, Daryl Campbell, could he's in the trenches at NFL Films right now. It's, it's the NFL 100 season. There, he's literally cutting video all day. So shout out to, to my big bro. Uh, I couldn't be here, but um, Daryl and I have this saying. You know, the theme of the show is we call it the Cosmic Canoe. So. What the Cosmic Canoe is, Mike, is is me and Daryl are on this journey, you know, Aaron's on the journey with us, where we're in this canoe, and every time we put our paddles into the canoe and push ourselves forward to try and get to our goal, we're picking up some magic with us, and it seems like when that magic gets on us in the boat, we, we've already been connected somehow. So, a couple months ago, at the Dream Theater show, interviewing Mike Mangini, hanging out, and you guys did the Barstool Warrior beer mm-hmm. cross-promotion, which... Barstool Warriors, a song on Distance Over Time, uh, Dream Theater's latest record, and uh, they've been having the beer at places. And the first time on the tour, there wasn't any. It was down in Philly. Couldn't couldn't get our hands on any. And uh, this time, they had like a – you guys had an event with a bar yeah, down Fado the street. Americanos, Fado Americanos. Yeah. So I did the interview with Mike. Go over to the bar. I'm waiting for my girlfriend and my buddy Mike. And uh, I walk in. I sit down. I order a Barstool. And a girl comes over. I'm in there for less than 60 seconds. Hands me the beer. Gives me a raffle ticket. As soon as she puts the ticket down, a guy picks up a microphone and goes, okay, you guys ready to win a prize? And he reads off my ticket. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> what would what, you win? The sticks? Dude, I won I won like, a, sign, I won like a drum. Yeah, I won yeah. a drum head <laughs> and like a bag and a program and a pin and like a, some stickers and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, this is sick. So I go over, claim my thing, and then, you know, having a few beers, and I'm texting Mangini. I'm like, hey, dude, I just won this, you know, this barrier cross-promotion thing. Oh, he's like, oh, you know, the guys are here. Uh, I'll have to introduce you back, you know, after the show. So Mike introduced us, and, and your buddy was wearing a, a car bomb shirt. Yeah. So naturally, across – Shout out to, to Pete Costa or Pete Costa from, <laughs> uh, from uh, Torrential Downpour. Great band. Shout out to Pete. And uh, so obviously I see him, so I'm start making my pew pew pew, you know, my car bomb noises to catch it. He looks over, he's like, oh, somebody else likes uh, ridiculous music here as well. And uh, you know, so we start shooting the shit, and um, you know, Mike introduced us, and he's like, hey, you guys should you know connect, and you know, we're walking out, and you're like, hey, you guys want some beer? And we're like, hell yeah, we want some beer. So <laughs> so you know, we, we we met, and we're like, we we decided we we got to get together and do a podcast here. But tell me a little bit about how did you guys get involved with Dream Theater? And, and what are some of the other bands you guys are involved with, and, and how has that all sure. come to be? So we got involved with Dream Theater. Um, originally, I believe they were shop. They reached out to uh, a brewery in Brooklyn called KCBC, Kings, Counters, King, Kings County Brewers Collective, good friends of ours. And uh, they had approached them about making a beer for them because KCBC, along with us, also makes beers for other, other bands, other heavy metal, hard rock bands. So... They at the time they just couldn't they couldn't do it their their schedules was overbooked they just didn't have the space to do it at the time and they didn't but they didn't want it to pass it up so they're like oh try barrier brewing they might be able to facilitate it at this at this moment so it's kind of like you know they they threw us a bone which was awesome and uh, yeah uh, my friend Seth Leibowitz who was who was working on behalf of management for Dream Theater um, who's also in the beer beer industry. Um, approached me and said, would you guys be interested? And I'm like, well, it just happens to turn out. I'm a huge Dream Theater fan, so there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, and that's how that's how that came about. They're awesome guys, aren't they? Yeah, they came out. James came out. Um, 
John came out, and John, shout, both Johns came out. Shout yours. out to James. He's coming on the show in uh, two weeks. So oh, nice, you guys, nice. James Labrie's coming on the show. And uh, yeah, I've, I've brought Aaron backstage. We went to G3. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a fun time. And, yeah. and he which, met, which one? Which What year? That was... Uh, 2007. It was the most recent one. Yeah, it was with uh, oh, who the guy we, from Def Leppard, Phil Collin. Oh, Phil Collin. And... Nice. Uh, Satriani was on it, of course. Yeah. Steve Vai on it, too? No. No, it was just those three. But Mangini, Mangini was playing with John. Oh, sick. And, uh, yeah, we went down. There was, like, a fucking blizzard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just got in the Forerunner, and we were like, <laughs> we made it, was, it up. It was like an ice storm. Yeah. And Petrucci was selling these, like, he only made 20 of them. I've got this, like, John Petrucci soccer... Uh, what do you call it? The fucking scarf. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not a scarf guy. And then like, then I'm thinking like, I'm wearing a scarf with another man's name on it, but it's John Petrucci, you know, like what are you going to do? <laughs> you, you go with it. But, uh, does it have his long beard? Oh, I wish, it? I wish man. <laughs> Literally just says John Petrucci. It's hilarious. I mean, that's just a scarf. <laughs> I, I, I have one of his uh, signature guitars. So that, yeah, that's, that's even, that, uh, Ernie, ma- or Ernie ball. Yeah. Oh, shout yeah, out, shout out, man. man. Yeah. They make, they make the, top the, notch, the, top notch majesty? quality. Is that the guitar? Uh, no, I have the, uh, JPX seven. They actually, I got it the year that they discontinued those. Mm, wow. Yeah. Shout out to Ernie ball. They, uh, sponsor Extractus media, our production company, oh, awesome. uh, and our band. So they, they hooked us up with some awesome instruments and they, they uh, help us promote the show, so thank you. Uh, to, uh, they make they make uh, incredible products and uh, all American made. That's right. Shout out. Yeah, they're they're known for their strings, right? Is yeah, yeah. Thing? Slinkies, you know, yeah. super slinkies, all that. They're they're huge. That's kind of their their bread and butter. And okay. yeah, and uh, yeah, apparently Sterling Ball's a big barbecue guy. Petrucci. Oh, yeah. uh, Petrucci was saying that. Yeah, him yeah. and I talk a lot of because I'm a smoker. I got a big smoker setup, nice. so I do a not cigarettes, meat. Yeah, smoke meat, boy. And uh, but yeah, so yeah, the Dream Theater guys, they're so cool and. And it's like, you know, you and I were, were talking before about Mangini. Um, those guys are so talented and so revered by their fans that, like, they don't, ha- they don't have to treat people as nice as they do. But, like, I've been – now I've spent a lot of time backstage with them, and, like, I see how they interact with everybody, like, from the people working in the venue selling hot dogs to, you know – their productions like it's just top notch uh all the way so it was really cool um when i you know obviously i was like oh man as a dream theater fan seeing them being involved in beer i was like because you don't really see dream theater get into too many other things right right, exactly so it, it was really really neat to see that so did they say like hey we like pilsners or did you yeah, guys kind of have in mind? Uh, how'd that work they came out to the brewery and we tried them on a bunch of different beers. We gave them a bunch of cases to take home for them to try and drink and have them, you know, enjoy it. And uh, we all settled down that we want to do something that's kind of like a, a mix between a Pilsner and a Kolsch. Just something super low ABV, 4.5%, 5%, super crushable, super easy to drink. Something that the average beer drinker that doesn't like hoppy stuff, that doesn't drink crazy the craft beers, that just wants to drink a good, well-made beer. Mm-hmm. So we settled on that style. And... Uh, yeah, I, I, I remember I was told from my friend Seth, he said, oh, yeah, well, we tried some beers with Mike Mangini because he couldn't make it out for the brewery that day. But he, he tried like he, I think he tried the Megadeth beer and it was uh, I think it was a Saison, the Megadeth beer at the time. It was a different, was a different style. And he didn't like it. And then he's like, I want to taste like Stella. I'm like, well, we're not going to make Stella. <laughs> <laughs> I could see, because I, I, knowing Mike. But like, he, he loved it. He was like, this is perfect. This is up my alley. So I would love to see him trying to pin down what beer 
he likes. It would be I could see him giving you a lot of options. Uh, John John Petrucci definitely likes. Uh, he loved our bourbon barrels, bourbon aged stout, the coffee. Well, stout. he's a big whiskey guy. Yeah, he loved that. He liked big dark strong beers. Um, he likes some of the IPAs too. But uh, the consensus was let's make it enjoyable for everyone across the board. Well, that's what I liked about it because I had about six of them and I still <laughs> I could still stand up straight after the show, you know. So it was it was definitely uh, definitely got what you were going for. Now, nice. you guys, um, you work with some other bands too, right? Yeah. So uh, it all got started with us basically with uh, the band Every Time I Die. Uh, great friends of ours. We've been making beer for them for over five years. Yeah, you're this wearing this awesome Every Time I Die champion. Just got this pullover. in the mail too, dude. That's sick. I gotta hope I don't shrink it when I wash it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that started, I think we're doing, this might be year, either year five or year six. Jeez, it might be year five. Uh, so basically we brew a beer for them for their Christmas show that they do every, every December up in Buffalo. And, uh, so this year we're actually collabing with our friends Thin Man Brewery from Buffalo and we're going to do two collabs. They're going to, we're going to brew a collab by them and a, and a collab here by us and have two different beers and have it for sale at certain places up in Buffalo during, during the weekend shows. Um, but it's crazy how their how their things have morphed into, and it started off that they would just do an annual Christmas show, and it and slowly over the years it got bigger and bigger, and then about five five years ago or so, uh, my my good buddy Mike Schatzel, um, who lives up in Buffalo and owns a bunch of great bars, um, just happened to know Keith Buckley, the singer. I think his Keith's wife used to work for Mike at one of his bars, and I was like, oh man, I love to make a beer for those guys, just like joking around. And the next thing you know, I get uh, a, f- a Facebook message with me, Keith, and Mike just saying, hey, Mike, hey, Keith, this is Mike from Barrier. They, they make great beer. They want to make you guys a beer. Keith's like, perfect. What's the next step? What do we do? So they, they <laughs> were so receptive. Like, you know, and I, I'm finding that with the podcast. And it's like, I think there's something to being, one, treating people well, uh, two, working hard, but three, being willing to ask. Yeah. And if you if you combine the three and you're – and people know you're honest and you're in it for the right reasons, people want to work with you. Everyone we spoke to about doing beers for uh, has been so open and receptive to it. They're like, this is so cool. This is so cool. So basically, we, you know, we don't have the scale to brew it largely 24-7. We're trying to do that with Barstool Warrior. We'd like to get that av- available all the time. But for a lot of these one-off beers, it's like, all right, we'll, we'll brew it maybe towards geared around a show you're playing locally in the area. We'll try to get the beer in the venue, get some beer to the band, stuff like that. We've been able to do more with Every Time I Die because it's been five years we've been working with them. But, like, we've, we've made beers for the band thrice. Um, shout out to Kyle over at uh, Randolph Beer. Shout out. Um, for, for linking us up and working together with them on that. And uh, so that's always been fun. And they're super, super amazing guys. And they're involved. They like to know what we're going to make. They, they give us ideas. They want to be a part of it. They, they're a part on, on doing the label design. So that's really cool when you have a band that really gives gives a shit about what they're doing and not just like, all right, make us a beer. We don't give a shit. Right. It's not like the kiss method. Uh, you know, all due respect to kiss and their, their merchandising, but they'll just slap the kiss logo on anything yeah. and sell it. And their, their fans are cool with that. And that's fine. But like a band, this like definitely personable, right? Like a band like dream theater is not going to put their name on something, let alone cross promote their music with something that's no poor quality. Uh, a shout out to our, to our, New York City, Brooklyn slash Long Island hardcore brothers, uh, Incendiary. Dude, we, make, we make a beer for them. They're making a new one for them soon. Incendiary is a sick band. They do. Uh, I'm, a awesome. big, I'm a big wrestling fan. I know they do some work. They've done some music for for WWE. Yeah. Um, it's you know one of the things you keep talking about is collaborating, and you know you would never see like a pizza place 
collaborate and be like, hey, Johnny, we're doing, you put the pepperoni on the Sicilian tonight, you know? Like, nobody would do that because it's too, it's too competitive versus this, there's this new uh, world of sharing and cross-promoting, and you see it, you know, with podcasts. We've had a number, you know, Audio Addiction and Naveen from Copper Crab, and, like, you bring people on and you share because we all know now that there's enough for everyone. And, like, you working with a, a brewery 30 minutes up the street is not going to take any beer out of your, you know, no, it's going to help each other actually. Like, that's no, the whole point. Yeah. It's not going to make you sell less beer to, yeah. to do something like that because, you know, one of the breweries we go to uh, locally, the Chamonix Creek Brewery, like if they do a collaboration with somebody, then all of a sudden now I know about that other one, where, yeah. whereas I didn't before. And it's also exciting for you, for your customers and your, and your, and your fan base that, that supports you and, and purchases your beer. They want to see that. Oh, cool. They're, they're collabing with this cool brewery that I, I never got to try before. So I get to try some of the beer, and it's that brewery's input as well. We get to, you know, try something cool, and I get to learn about a new brewery, as you said. So, and it works for us too. We get to go overseas. We get to do cool collabs with different breweries and make these great friendships with all these other breweries, and really get out there and get our name out there as well. So, listen, it's it's cross promotion. We're helping each other out, and if there's a brewery that opens up two minutes here from us, I want them to succeed. I do not want them to fail. Their success is going to be better for me, and vice versa. We all we all want to succeed because we're all, we we have a con- common enemy, and that's that's big 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 beer. Now speaking of common enemy, wh- what do you think about the whole seltzer craze right now? Because I would think, I think more I think more craft breweries our size, smaller and bigger should should definitely make make a craft seltzer. We used to we used to do like craft sodas every once in a while, just as a goof. Yeah, because pe- maybe people don't want. Maybe they bring a kid. I think it's a great idea. Listen, you, not everybody wants to drink a beer when they come in here, so have a seltzer. Yeah. Well, I, I saw somebody saying that maybe the thing about the seltzers is that if people switch to drinking the seltzers, then they're not going to go back to beer. They're going to go up no, to drinking think, mixed I think, drinks. I think that's that's there's no there's no weight behind that. I really don't. I think you're just going to have there's a certain crowd that's always going to drink your beer. Beer drinkers are going to drink beer. Like my girlfriend, she will not enjoy any of your beers but not because cool. she comes here and she has right. she has a different option not because of your beer it's just right. she's not a beer drinker yeah, so like if exactly. you had a seltzer or like a whatever you know wine cooler that's why a lot of breweries have a distillery's license like shout out to our to our homies in brooklyn Innerboro. they have a distillery so they do like a lot of gins they can like craft cock gin well, cocktails brooklyn, stuff bet, like that i bet gin is real popular yeah in brooklyn. but it's it's cool to have that option so you go in there a brewery it's like all right well i don't want to drink beer today but i'm gonna try your gin i'm gonna try your your canned gin stuff like that so canned it's, gin. <laughs> yeah it's cool they do like different flavors and stuff like it's really it's really really great idea and um i think a lot of more breweries should especially if you're opening up your brand new get a distiller's license make some craft sodas make some craft seltzers maybe do some ciders yes yeah, ciders are broaden it you yeah. know you want to make as much money as you can Definitely don't want to take away from your model, whatever your mission statement is. But so you're, I, I don't so you're see not one of those like it's an only it's only no, craft beer. Not. No, I think I think that is such backwards thinking. Because I think there's a lot of that. Because some of the things like I'll kind of make fun of some of our friends sometimes. Like there's there's like the beer snobs, and sometimes it's like the traders, the beer traders. Yeah, oh, you know, and like I like on one hand, dude, like you know, I'm a pro wrestling fan. So what, really, what can I say? Um, if you say ECW, then we're then, uh, then we're best friends, dude. I'm a huge ECW. Fan. I grew up. One of my earliest memories uh, as a child is watching on public access um, in Philly on a Friday night. It click over at eleven o'clock to ECW, 
and seeing like the the, the siren and all the. Did you ever go to that venue and and, and 20, Philly, that fucking venue sucked, dude? I had never been to it <laughs> when ECW it was W Arena. I'd never been to the original, but uh, it's now twenty three hundred Arena. Yeah. They run shows there all the time. That's I go, awesome. I go a couple times a year, and actually in the bathroom there, um, they have like a big ECW mural That's in the cool. bathroom, which is which is kind of sick. But um, you have people that are like, you know, it's their way of the or the or the highway, and um, I mean, you get that with passionate dream theater fans or passionate giants fans but it doesn't matter right um how do you uh how do you kind of balance that social media you got i think we, we you have to stay on top with social media that is beyond key especially now there's if you got to get out to the masses you really have to get out there and, and get your brand out there if you don't you're not going to grow yeah <laughs> i think social media is the best form of growth and I think we have a great social media team. Yeah, you guys got a great Instagram. Our Instagram's awesome. Uh, we got great people behind it. We do really cool, wacky videos that we do when we're doing collabs with other breweries or we're introducing new beer. We do when we really got on on the video uh, uh, forefront a couple of years ago. Not many people were doing them, and uh, we got on it a couple of years ago. Uh, and then we got a lot of great feedback, and we just continued doing them every time sometimes they're really goofy but i think that's the point not we just don't take ourselves too seriously on that on that end yeah you gotta you gotta be willing to take uh, you know try different things and mm-hmm. um you know that's been that's been key for the everman podcast you know like uh we, we've now had everybody from you know we've had a, a beer podcast we've had a we had an astro a future astronaut last week and you know a comedian next week like you, you it's okay now to be involved in everything and have a lot of different interests to because that ultimately just helps you connect to new people that you wouldn't have connected sure. in the first place. Yeah, no, I, I, hundred percent agree. Um, I love our social media team. Shout out to also John Boha who helps run, run the social media and does, does a fantastic job. And I just think to be really, I hate to sound lame and cliche, but just having a great team all around starting from the tap room to the people who work hard and, and pour the beer for the customers, get the customers coming back to the brew house to the most important job makes the beer to, to my end and my and, and people that work that I work with to help get the beer out there to help service our, our distribution distribution areas. You really need a great team top to bottom, because if not, that's that's where I think a lot of breweries and, and companies suffer. It's not lame. I mean, you know, one of the one of the core ideas we try to share on the Everyman podcast, whether we're talking to. I mean, the guy we had on last week works at SpaceX. He's an aerospace engineer, and he ex- can explain to you why it's important to have teamwork. And then when we have a production assistant, we had one of the guys that works on Dream Theater's crew on. Why is teamwork important for a Dream Theater show? Everybody that's doing anything successful is doing it with a team. That's a great point you bring up because when we were hanging out after the show, waiting to talk to the guys, I mean, I I was just marveling at, at their their. The, the crew, how they they broke down everything so fast. Doesn't that blow your mind? Everything was and, it, and it, listen, it wasn't as articulate and crazy as like a Kish concert or an Iron Maiden show. But it's a lot of but, stuff. But it's a lot. They they do have a, a their set is a lot bigger than when I used to see in 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, and it's a torn down. Bigger. And like so, what Mike's talking about is so after the Dream Theater invites some friends after the, to hang out after the show, and what happens is after they go off the show, uh, the you know the curtain comes down and everybody leaves, and we kind of all hang out in front of the stage 
waiting for them to come out. And you get to see, normally you wouldn't be in there, but you get to see how their crew tears down, just how they tear down that drum set. That fucking thing is down in 15 minutes, cased up on the truck. And like, I've been there when they're setting it up and seeing them tear it down, but they couldn't get that done if they didn't have communication. And those guys are, all those guys in that crew are fucking phenomenal. Dude, they're great. Shout out to Zach Rossi, my boy. He wasn't, he wasn't at that show. He had a, he had a family wedding, but Zach's, Zach's one of the production assistants there. Mm -hmm. And you understand why they have, uh, the kind of production that they do, um, because of all that teamwork. And it's like, it's cool because it extends to what you guys do, Yeah, you know, where your beer, they don't know this because I mean, well, they've been here, but you know, the the quality and the excellence that you guys put into your product here is the same thing that they're doing, which is why it makes a good relationship, which is why when I crack a bar stool, um, you know, it's quality. And you know, uh, um, my girlfriend's father stopped over for dinner and he's a big IPA guy and we're always trading beers back and forth. And all I had was barrier and like Coors Light or something. And so I gave him one of the bar stools and he's like, man, this is really yeah, great. Like, nice. this is awesome. You know, is this that band? And he's like, oh yeah, give me a beer when you go up there. I'm like, yeah, hey, no problem. That's awesome. But, uh, you know, and he's, and he's not somebody that would be your typical go into a brewery on a Saturday and find and that's a beer. what that beer is brewed for. It's brewed yep. for the average guy, average girl, average person. Just, yeah, I'm not really into craft beer, but this is kind of a beer I can drink. Yeah, it's like a, it's like you can wrap your it's very your, safe beer. Yeah, it's not too. There's no grapefruit notes or uh, mm-hmm. you know pine pine needles or whatever you you know. You get yeah, some it's listen. That's why we're in business because we have people that like those type of beers, but we also love easy drinking beers, stuff that's that's more approachable for the average drinker. That's that's what you got to do. So, couple couple last questions here. I just want to kind of kind of explain to people the scale of what you guys are doing here sure and then where you can get it and, and all that stuff and then we're gonna we're gonna crack a few of these open and, yeah absolutely. And enjoy bev so how many um if you had to estimate so what's your what's your availability in stores like how many stores nationwide so is barrier we're right? available currently in six states uh we're about to open up a seventh um and actually we're in the works of opening up a few more but right now, where you can get our beer kind of steadily is obviously all through New York City, New York State. Um, Massachusetts, you can get our beers uh, up to Boston, uh, certain parts of Massachusetts. Um, Connecticut, we have some distribution in Connecticut. We have distribution through Philadelphia, um, I believe through up to the Lehigh Valley. Um, not Pittsburgh or anything, but Philly proper. Um, New Jersey, um, and we have distribution in South Carolina. Wow, that's that's a quite a stretch yeah, to get a, down there. A good friend of mine, Lauren Shore, owns a, a killer dis- distributor called Rafa Distributors, and they have a great uh, uh, lineup of, of breweries that they have in their por- in their portfolio. And uh, we try to send them beer at least once a month. So if somebody's listening to the podcast and they have a bar that they like to go to their their local hangout spot and they want to try Barrier, sure. Can they? How can they help their bar get Barrier? Uh, just ask. <laughs> That's all it takes. Just ask, like, hey, do you guys pour barrier? I'd love to get barrier in here, and we will absolutely make it happen. If, if we're in that area, we have distribution in the area, we'll, we'll go, I'll, go, I'll personally go out of my way, make sure we get it there. That's, that's what's up. And, I, you know, I can attest, you know, the, the Everyman podcast, we're low-key, we were centralized in the Philadelphia proper area. And, uh, you know, I know I've had it uh, at uh, Trent Road Takeout down there. Um, and, and, Aaron, you've had it a couple. Uh, it was at the uh, Churchville Inn. Churchville Inn. So, so you could definitely, definitely track it down in the area. And, uh, you know, every man, we've got subscribers in 60 countries. So hopefully, um, you know. Yeah, we, we, we have our beer overseas, too. We have, uh, you know, not 
regular distribution we get every day, but we do send beers over um, London. We have um, some of our beer available in London and throughout Europe. So uh, we just we just came back from uh, Barcelona. We did we did a, a pretty cool beer festival there. We have friends that we collab with overseas. So uh, our name is definitely getting out there slowly that, but surely. Does that like drive you? Does that like blow your mind a little bit when you think about like somebody on the other side of the world's drinking your beer? When I, I think three or four years ago. Uh, was the first time we sent beer overseas and we did a, a, a festival in Copenhagen and I went over with some friends and just doing, we did, we did a tap takeover event at a, at a, at a spot in Copenhagen and I'm sitting there drinking my beer. I'm like, I'm drinking my beer in Copenhagen. Like, this is crazy. Now it's like, all right, well, we're, we're off to this festival now. Yep. So it, it's crazy how, from where it first started to what we're doing now. I, every time, uh, about once a month I look at, our, our, I do a deep dive into our numbers uh, on the podcast and just to see who's listening and where. And one day over the summer, we started getting downloads in Iran. Wow. And I was like, so shout out to our Iranian listener right now. That's awesome. <laughs> I was like, what part of these conversations were the thing that clicked to get, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it blows yeah, your mind. Yeah. But then you start thinking like, well, Mike Mangini you know, he's been touring the world for 30 some years. He's got to have a lot of fans. He go, yeah, he goes and puts the link on, on his Facebook. Next thing you know, kids in India are, are listening. Well, I, didn't, I didn't know about you until Mangini uh, introduced us. <laughs> it's, it's, it, but it's like, it, yeah. it's amazing how it goes. You can see it. You know, it's this new, the new world where we're, yeah. uh, that's, we're that's, living in. That's really cool. 60 countries. Yeah. I yeah. like to get beer in 60 countries. Well, <laughs> I, I'm hoping. So the uh, Dylan, shout out to Dylan Dickstein, our, our, uh, our, our future astronaut buddy. He's going down to. Actually, today he leaves for a expedition to Antarctica. Oh, sick! So I told him, I said, "Hey, bro, do me a favor. Don't download the podcast till you get down to Antarctica, <laughs> so that way I can get that download in yep. Antarctica." You know what I mean? On the one continent that no one lives year round on, that no one's allowed to. How many people can say that? Right. I told him, I said, "Listen, if you get there and there's any, you know, hidden Nazi bases or <laughs> underground the, 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 those hollow caverns yes in the, bottom the, of the hollow earth. caverns and the reptilians yeah i need to know about the, the reptilians, reptilians like the warm climate right though that well they say that it's it's a hollow the, earth it's warm under the wait, wait, come on the, mike it's the grays are in our or in new mexico right yes uh, yeah. the grays I used, to, I used to be big into b- big into david ufology <laughs> not so much david Icke. i always thought that guy was a fraud. we can we can go down the rabbit hole for a long time with this one the thing i like about david about the beer the thing i like about david ike is he basically put it all on like Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, first, he's like, yeah, when he started I'm doing Jesus, the- I'm G. Je- well, he started that he was the reincarnation yeah. of Jesus, yeah. and then he pivoted into no, this guy's the Antichrist, and then he pivoted into like, oh no, the reptilians are running the show, and then now he's kind of pulled back, and he's just kind of like a, he's lightened it down a little bit, but he's still he's making a business out of it. But he's like selling out the O2 Arena three three nights in a row, talking well, about fucking lizard people. Like, what am I, what am I doing wrong? Like, because I could talk to about lizard people all day. Listen, I, I love a good, I love a, I'm open-minded. I love a good discussion, especially when there's evidence to support it. But man, that guy, when you look up the definition fraud, it's, it's his picture in there. I'm sorry. When, I he, like, started do, when he started doing videos of manipulating yes, President dude, Obama's I was, eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I love those videos. You'd be like, look, Bill Clinton is a reptile. It's, it's, you know? it's hilarious. And it's like, see, see, look, George Bush Sr., he was a reptile too. Or like they have sharp teeth or like they, they show scales at some point. Yeah, like... 
Listen, sometimes he marked himself as like, listen, I'm this investigative journalist and I'm just following the leads. Going on. I'm just and following the leads. You realize, all right, well, he's making a business out of it. Say, listen, say you're full of shit. Cool. I'll support it. Yeah, just call it a one man show. And But you're right. He, he has tone. He's trying. I think he's taking a more serious tone now. Yeah. Well, he's got this new book out that's like 1,400 pages. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. It's like, and he's like talking about how it's like two books in one. I'm like, oh, yeah, let me, let me uh, r- I don't run know. out I and mean, get that. Yeah, but hey, if any lizard people are listening to this, definitely check out. We, Barry we can Brewing. definitely do another podcast and talk about just that. I'd have a lot of fun. Oh yeah, <laughs> crack crack a few money, crack a open. few barriers, and yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah I should make a beer where the where the uh, can art is lizard people coming out of a UFO. I, th- I think that's already been done. I think oh, there's been be. a reptilian. There was movie. like a They Live one I saw. Uh-huh. Um, one of my favorite. One of my favorite movies. movies. You know that fight scene. I know we're getting really off topic here, but that that fight scene with Roddy Piper in that. That uh, back alley is it's one amazing. of the best fight scenes. Didn't they do that ever. in South Park? They, yeah, they, they yep. like with Jimmy. Yep, verbatim. Like everything <laughs> they, was they the right. It. Yep, yep. Uh, great, great film, though. He was a great actor. He he was great on Always Sunny. Yeah, a couple. Uh, you know, it's sad. He was like a comedy store regular at was the end he? of his life. Like he was becoming a comedian. Like he was going to go into stand up full time. Oh man, and that would have been. Uh, we we uh, shout out to Roddy Piper. Rest in peace, there, brother. So, uh, I figured best way to end this podcast. Is uh, I think we should beers. crack a bev. Yeah. So what do you? Uh, w- let's. Uh, we'll let you. Uh, so what do we got there? So I took the uh, obviously money IPA. Got uh-huh. a f- super fresh can of that you that know. was canned uh, last week. Okay. I think we should try the money. I think that let's makes sense. Let's start with the money. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. You guys got your glasses. Pour That's away. That's right. Yeah. Get it. Let's get a little, little podcast I just, audio I just on it. Down some of the stout that was left in this glass. I don't. I don't want it mixed in with my. Uh, just hobby, give give it a nice beer rinse. Yeah. A beer rinse. There we go. You guys, in your lingo. That's not coffee you hear. That is a nice... Give me a... So this is, uh, this is a personal favorite of mine, too. Drinking, yeah, Money IPA. It's 7.3% on gold by volume. Uh, kind of a mix between an East Coast and a West Coast style IPA. So it's got a nice little haze to it. Nothing too crazy. Uh, the hot bill on that is Citra Centennial... Azaka and Simcoe. Cheers. Thank you. It's, Enjoy. it's still pretty dry, too. It's not like overly sweet. It's uh, it's like very drinkable. Yeah, it's very, very incredible. That is drinkable. a very, that is, uh, most of our IPAs tend to be on the dry side. Yeah, this is great. This is uh, very refreshing. And um, Mike, thank you for the hospitality today. Oh, of course. This is a, it's an awesome place. We'll definitely be back. Uh, definitely just to come back and hang out, man. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think what you guys are doing here, I, I believe in it. I uh, respect it. And I look forward to uh, seeing seeing you guys grow in the future. Let's get a uh, let's, let's get a Dream Theater Barrier podcast where we're all drinking Barstool. <laughs> Dude, you know, I can. Let's make it happen. You, you can make it happen. There we go. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.